This Slate spoiler special is brought to you by Shutterstock.com. With over 700,000 high-quality video clips, Shutterstock helps you take your creative projects to the next level. For 30% off your new account, go to Shutterstock.com and use offer code SPOILER6. Hi, this is Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, here with the Slate spoiler special podcast on World War Z, the new Mark Forster film about a zombie apocalypse. And joining me from the Slate DC studio is Dave Weigel. Hi, Dave. Hi. You've never joined me for a spoiler before. I'm really excited that you, you wanted to do this one. Can you talk about why you wanted to do this one? I wanted to do a spoiler since I, since I joined Slate uh, almost three years ago. I remember mentioning this when I was trying to impress people who might hire me and say, I love spoiler specials, and it only took, you know, a third of a decade. <laughs> well, you to told the movie. wrong person. You should have told me. I'm uh, yeah. always desperately looking for partners for these. But I, I wanted to do this because I read World War Z. Actually, I read Max Brooks, the author, the son of Mel Brooks, who... His, unlike his father, has entered zombie expertise instead of comedy. And he's uh, also the son of Anne Bancroft? He is. The son of Anne Bancroft and Max Brooks, uh, sorry, and Mel Brooks is the world's foremost ep- expert on zombies. Uh, so, as, as many people would have predicted. And I enjoyed this book. I enjoyed his, the book that preceded this, which a lot of people would say started the zombie craze that we're still living through. Uh, he wrote a book called The, you know, the, the, the Zombie Survival, Survival Guide. Guide, right. Which was just a incredibly clinical and realistic blueprint to how you should survive a zombie apocalypse, which ended very compellingly with a couple of historical anecdotes. I mean, the, the book is written as if, obviously, you're going to uh, deal with zombies in the near future. And here are a bunch of examples from history of zombie attacks and how people survive them. So he followed this up with this oral history, kind of in the Studs Terkel style of the zombie war that had happened in the book's narrative, you know, 10 years ago or so, and how humanity survived it. And I loved it. I mean, I'm not that much of a horror book guy. Uh, I, I watch enough horror movies. I've always loved zombie movies. I really love that book. I tore through it in a day, and I gave it to friends to read. So I was excited to see the movie, and I will be... I'll try to hold the annoying fan fanboy comic-con critique of it but i am one of those people who compared this to the book and was unimpressed by the movie well from what i understand i haven't read the book from what i understand of the max brooks oral history i mean it's it's really about the social fabric decaying right and about how the world would fall apart and put itself back together and that's something that the movie seems a lot less interested in right and that's what i liked about zombies in the first place i mean i think they are my favorite horror trope Uh, but i think the best movie i saw with a trope similar to that in a couple of last few years was Contagion because it's really just compelling and worrying. It makes you really think about your own life, honestly, when you see society breaking down over the long term and people reacting in different ways. You know, World War Z actually, it, I, when I saw Contagion, it reminded me quite a lot of the way that book was paced. So uh, the, I'll try to dispense the book pretty quickly. It starts with somebody who's just writing a journalistic history of how humanity won the zombie war. Uh, he kind of looks for patient zero, but he, te- uh, he 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 tells pretty much a straight narrative through the collapse of civilization. There's a great chapter about the the, the first battles that humanity loses because it's just it's doesn't know how to fight zombies yet. It's wasting ammo on their bodies and setting people on fire who can keep coming at them. Uh, then there's a long long period where humanity's basically lost and triaged. Uh, lots of military strategy, then a long period where it takes back the territory. And he finds characters... One of the characters I remember vividly is a kind of scam artist who survived the zombie war and had made lots of money selling a fake 
placebo that was supposed to cure the disease. You know, sort of like the Jude Law character. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say, that's very contagion. Yeah, that movie it reminded me had a lot of notes from it. And I don't think anything would have prevented a filmmaker from taking the notes from that book and making a rich zombie movie. So according to some reporting on the movie, I think Vanity Fair had a long piece about the troubled making of it. It cost $200 million. There was originally going to be a long, a longer, more dramatic battle sequence ending. The Battle of Moscow, more, right? Yeah, the Battle of Moscow. They gave you more of a sense of the war going on everywhere. And instead, no, they just turned it into the story of one guy who is a semi-disgraced U.N. What, black ops guy? I'm not sure how, how that works. They exactly. never quite say, yeah, Brad Pitt, the main character, Jerry Lane. So he was supposed to be a, some sort of a UN on the ground disaster dealing guy, but you, then you never know exactly what he did. There, there are vague references to it. Uh, he seems sort of ashamed by how it ended, and he meets a, a Israeli agent who is aware of the scandal that brought him down, how it was unfair. Wait, a quick uh, but, question. So none yeah. of this happens in the book? There's not an organizing main figure the way that Brad Pitt's Jerry Lane is in the movie? Uh, there, there is a journalist who is going back and interviewing these people, but he's left pretty obscure. And most of the story is told through just like a Studs Terkel book. I mean, there are people who recur who, uh, again and again, like the political figures who were in place. But it's mostly he, he'll, he finds people who survived and tells their stories. And uh, almost none of that is even paid tribute to in the movie. I mean, I, I, I looked for a couple of references – and I and I was double checking. For example, at the end of the movie, there is a bunch of ham radio chatter uh, of people trying to find if they've survived. And I was cross-referencing with the book to see if they used any of those because they're really good scenes. Really, there's a very long sequence in the book, uh, which I should say was turned into an audiobook that's really fantastic. Oh yeah, uh, where, with multiple actors, right? Yeah, with multiple actors, where a woman survives a a crash landing. And goes, you know, minute by minute of how she survived, surrounded by zombies in this kind of swamp. And I thought they were making reference to that, and I checked, and nope, wrong, <laughs> wrong person in the in the call signal. Yeah, that audiobook won some kind of award. I think it won like the Oscar of of audiobook awards, the Audi. Yeah, it's one of those. If you had copied it very closely, I think it would have been a giant mess of a movie, but a fascinating mess that told you things about the way people survive a crisis and this i don't think did that i mean i've kind of i really i think i said i don't want to talk entirely about the book like if you enjoy just movies that are suspenseful you'll tolerate this if you compare it to the book you're not going to like it but i mean what did you think worked about about the movie well i just think as the movie qua movie surprised me in its enjoyability basically Mm -hmm. i mean it just seemed so predestined to be one of those huge bloated overly attempting to be too epic and to take on too much political allegory i kind of appreciated that it was just a fun two-hour will brad pitt or will brad pitt not be caught by zombies kind of suspense thriller I mean, it, I don't think it aimed to do a lot, but I think it got it got the job done pretty well. I was I was sort of impressed. I do think that you really see that troubled production history in the last act of the movie, which we should talk about. I mean, I don't even think you could call it an act. Like everything that happens after uh, he he is reunited with his family again, right? That there's some footage thrown in that I think is trying to suggest this battle of, battle of Moscow. Maybe it was some stuff that was shot that you know they thought was too good to to leave out. But I think it sort of limps to a conclusion overall. Though I had a good time. Yeah, they definitely use footage from what, uh, what has been de- described in, in some articles about the movie. You know, just people rushing zombies with weapons. But you're, those are from the book. That's the only the, the they, humanity eventually figures out this really efficient weapon. <laughs> that this is a blunt object. Uh, one side with a shovel, one side with a sharp edge that you can use on the things. But um, th- so we kind of established the book has this long plot, and the zombie war takes place over what feels like a decade. 
I mean, there's a, there's a long period where humanity just kind of builds walls and stays behind them, and they're fine. But uh, you couldn't do that plot because the movie makes the decision to have this uh, to turn this into an infection fast zombie movie. Um, well, it's essentially it's sort of yeah. an, an epidemiological horror movie, right? It's and, and, and structured a little bit like Contagion, although a lot less smart and a lot less concerned with science than Contagion. There's some really, really cheesy, sort of quickly established science, and a little bit of a sense that there's no one in this world who can establish a scientific hypothesis except for Brad Pitt. You know, nobody else seems to have come up with the idea that you would find patient zero and that you would, you know, try to figure out how the thing spreads and why certain people aren't attacked by zombies. And because he's the person who just applies simple logic to think about those things he eventually solves the problem he, apply simple logic he he remembers through flashbacks from one conversation with uh, that's one of the things i guess we can spoil that was very funny uh, i always appreciate that kind of twist in a movie he originally goes in a mission despite this being the last dish save humanity mission it's they send him and a soldier and a scientist and the the scientist tells him very darkly about you know uh how we go to science. Science is like a serial. No, nature is a serial killer, and just like a serial killer, it wants to get caught. But you need to study the patterns and look for the crumbs. And then, as soon as they get to their destination, he slips, slips, and kills himself by accident. This was one of my favorite moments <laughs> in the movie. It was, it was a really great sick joke. Does that happen in the book that the young hotshot doctor immediately bites it when they get to ground zero? No, there's not really a young hotshot doctor. It's just uh, humanity kind of fumbles around. The fundamental difference is that the, the book has slow zombies and. There is an outbreak that starts somewhere in Asia. It spreads around the world. Um, the zombies, just by force of being murderous and teeming, take over lots of territory, and then humanity fights back. But they don't ever run, and the disease doesn't spread in the air. It's just anyone who dies becomes a zombie, just like a George Romero movie. So they don't really. Well, the, the care disease about the doesn't terror. spread in the air here either, right? There's no there's no airborne zombie pathogen. Well, they they wonder how it's spreading. They turn the zombies, I guess, from the classic. Walk, I guess we could call them Walking Dead more than George Romero because there's, there's frankly, what, like 70 hours of Walking Dead on TV now, and that's more than George Romero movie. Uh, they, they turn from the classic slow rigor mortis rotting things to kind of 28 days later, people get bitten or infected somehow by personal contact. You're right. It, it might have started some other way, but it's You mean tw- by 28 days later, you're referencing the, the speed of the zombies. In the this speed movie. of zombies. They be, or seem to be faster than humans, but... Um, 28 Days Later still used kind of human actors running quickly, and this movie ma- turns the zombies into basically a wave of of evil humanity, or evil yeah. undead, undead. I think at one point, Pitt, when he's figuring out the mystery, says, you know, he describes them moving around one person like a river moving around a rock. And it really does look like a river of, of death coming at people, less than scary, slow-moving, anima- reanimated things. Yeah, this is something I wanted to say about the special effects that I that I really liked, and not just the special effects, but the conception, you know, the conception of the world, is that zombies, and I want to get into a little bit, like, why zombies, and why zombies right now, why, why people want zombie movies at this moment, but it, it, it seems like zombies, unlike a lot of... Uh, bad guys in movies can be treated as almost like packing peanuts. You know, they're just yeah. this sculptural element, and that happens again and again, like when they're scaling the wall of Jerusalem, right? And I think the most spectacular action scene when they invade Jerusalem midway through the movie. And they're sort of just like this insect-like teeming pile of people that, you know, that make it over the defense essentially by climbing on each other, right? So each individual one is just sort of one insectoid part of the whole, and that to me was really both scary and just kind of visually effective. Oh, it, it was... It was kind of. It was in the trailer too. It was very well done, very very terrifying, very depressing. Because uh, World War Z, the book was full of kind of political resonance. Uh, you know that even that was 
dated immediately. I mean, one, one of the in-jokes in the book is that the American coalition government that forms is run by Colin Powell and Howard Dean which I don't think would be what you'd do if you wrote it again today. Yeah, that um, seems like that, that was an editorial <laughs> error to not make that more generic, right? That, but, they're, um, actually, they're actually name-checked by name. They, it, it's very clear that the, those people, there's a Vermont governor who's seen to be crazy by people and a black general who is a great Republican hope. So obvi- <laughs> obviously those guys. In this, like, they're the only politics we kind of see, because everyone just takes for granted that the UN is going to run the world when this happens. The only politics we see is in Jerusalem, and this was kind of fun, uh, Jerusalem is letting people in very cynically. I think this Mossad agent, uh, you know, Brad Pitt is surprised that Israel is letting all these people in through their gate, uh, which they finished right before the zombie invasion happened. Uh, Brad Pitt's surprised they're letting in people who are obviously Palestinians. They're, you know, leaning down and praying and singing Arabic songs, and Israeli soldiers are kind of tapping their feet to it. And he's, he's a, so there, we get kind of close to this kumbaya message and brad pitt says uh, you know you, you're, you're letting more people in and the messiah says everyone every human we let in is, is a zombie we don't have to fight right <laughs> so it's actually i liked that they had the 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 one little geopolitical we're all in this together message was also pretty cynical yeah well there's also a tiny bit and i think this may be accidental because it seems like it would be so incendiary if it were on purpose but there seems like a, there's a tiny reference to 9-11 anti-semitic paranoia right in the moment when everybody's asking but how did israel know right how did israel know in advance about the zombie invasion oh that's a good catch too i i, I and i saw this with um i happened to see the movie next to a friend who's a, a science journalist and he was uh he had a lot of fun with the fact that this virus can spread in five seconds, which isn't how a virus really works. Which, and it's also the case that in this movie, remember at the end, and here comes a spoiler, when Brad Pitt injects himself with whatever typhus or whatever deadly disease it is to try to right. walk among the zombies, that it takes about five minutes for him to get typhus, apparently, right? Well, that that is the twist, again, that's not in the book because they take very different approaches to the zombie threat. I mean, the, the 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 other political resonance I was trying to think of was that he pointed out was uh, in the beginning the pit the pit family it's Brad Pitt and the woman from the killing Murray Enos right yes they take shelter with a Hispanic family who have kind of hilarious Spanish I remember the father at one point says un, un cerveza señor just like when he's when they're when they're getting together and the family doesn't follow him and uh, uh, I somebody again my friend pointed out well I wonder if that's because. They might be. He's, he keeps emphasizing he works for the government, and they don't quite trust him. Right. So I'm like, oh, maybe that's another great social breakdown. People are still clinging to the biases and prejudices of the of of, of the time before it's too late. I didn't like that, how that ended because this. In another movie, there'd be this emotional moment when uh, the kids' parents turn to zombies. In this case. Clearly, the, the father is the zomb- the first zombie who dies as they're escaping, and we don't even see a pan of the kid's face as his father is shot down. Ah, that happened so fast that I didn't catch that one of those, the guys who chase him up onto the roof, right? I didn't catch mm-hmm. that one of those was the dad. Well, that a lot of things happen fast. It's also, it felt, this movie was PG-13, wasn't it? I don't know. I didn't check the rating. Because they're, so The Walking Dead, uh, which is still incredibly popular, I mean, critics kind of, or critics like it, and I think fans whine about it on Twitter the next day, but it's a huge hit show, is really violent. I mean, I think in the first shot of the first episode, or the first scene, uh, a little girl zombie's head is blown off, and you see it get blown off. Yeah, I remember and that. And this movie doesn't have heads get blown off that you can see. Everything, everything is a cutaway. Um, there are no big splattering blood pot, blood. Claw, uh, the, the, the thing that people associate with the zombie genre of the exploding head, right? Uh, 
It's not in here at all. Uh, they just make the, they make the decision to make it much more of a suspense movie. Yeah, maybe that is a family friendliness thing. It's true that this is not a splatter movie at all. It's much more interested in classic suspense, like make will you make it down the hallway with the right. the box full of of the cure before the zombies get you? Well, I guess that's why that's why I didn't like that much about it. If if if, if you're going to replace the entire book World War Z with a different kind of zombie apocalypse, that's that's fine. I, people who complain about such things are really pedantic and annoying. Um, but what they do is is turn it in because the zombies are so fast and kind of invincible seeming. They just attack you and overwhelm you with a. They overwhelm entire cities in ten seconds or twenty seconds. Uh, you there's first of all, it doesn't make sense that the t- that the town they go to. They actually go to Cardiff, which is what, apparently the last World Horse Organization hospital. Cardiff in in the, in the movies mythology is a tiny. Welsh town of like twenty people <laughs> that completely survives the the apocalypse. And uh, as you were saying before, um, Brad Pitt has a theory gleaned from the one conversation he had with this one scientist that the zombies are not attacking people who look who look fatally ill. Uh, that he sees a you know a, a really skinny kid uh, duck down and not get hurt by the zombies, and he sees an old man not get bothered by the zombies. So he has a theory that if he infects himself. With a disease, I, th- well, I think he asked, "What's the most fatal disease you have that's curable?" Uh, if he infects himself with this disease and proves that zombies won't pay attention to him, then they can use that. Soldiers can use that as camouflage and just like take out the entire zombie population. Uh, which is not again. That's the first I've seen that in a zombie movie. It's a interesting theory. It scientifically is really crazy making. Uh, most zombie movies, there is no cure, uh, and it's just you need to. Either all civilization dies or most of civilization dies, and you eventually claw your way back after a long conflict of lots of head chopping. Well, In I this have... case, there's a magical cure that um, is kind of crazy but fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I have a feeling – I would love to know at what point the Damon Lindelof-Drew Goddard intervention happened, right? So those two lost writers were brought on to basically script doctor the end of this movie because I think they were having trouble putting all the material together, right? And I don't know where that intervention begins. I, I'm pretty sure that it's already kicked in by that moment I mentioned after, you know, he's gotten typhus or whatever it was, been cured, reunited with his family. And then there's a little bit of an update with Brad Pitt's voiceover. Oh, here's how the, the world got itself back together, right? Yeah. But is it possible that the actual cure also came from – some sort of script doctoring because it does the tone of the movie really shifts at that moment that they get to Cardiff to the WHO and start trying to get the uh, the vaccine or whatever it is out of the the vault it becomes a, a completely different kind of story and among other things it just the tension drops because it's just kind of too easy right his theory works out right away there's a moment that he injects himself with the the pathogen and everybody's watching on the security camera right in the outside in the other unit of the WHO and one of those Watchers says, oh, well, he's dead either way, right? He's injecting himself with this deadly disease, so he's sacrificing himself. And in fact, it's a total cakewalk for Brad Pitt. He injects himself. He seems perfectly fine. He's not even sweating. He walks down the hall, and then he immediately gets a shot that cures him, and then he reunites with his family. So there's like there's really a tension release that doesn't happen at the end. They, they kind of build something that might be interesting about why he's reacting that way, because uh, one of the subplots, I mean, that the, the, his wife doesn't have a lot to do, but basically because because Brad Pitt is on a mission, his family is allowed to stay in this apparently pretty cushy Navy ship, Navy flotilla. And uh, when he's presumed missing, they are moved to a refugee camp, at which Brad Pitt assumes will be overrun. So he seems much more kind of doomy. Uh, after his family gets moved, and he does seem to be very resigned. Like, well, tell him I love him. I'm pretty much, you know, if I don't make it out of this one, I'll, I'll, I'll be okay. He, he, he less, 
less I must get to the next obstacle uh, when he's when he's the thing. But I, I assume the the cure plot line must have been developed beforehand because you couldn't the battle wouldn't make sense otherwise. There's no way just the zombies who were overrunning absolutely every city could be you know ambushed if you didn't have some camouflage. So they probably had something, but I didn't really like the suspenseful ending. It was I've seen that before and it felt kind of video gamey to me, especially the, there's a part when I mean they invent a lot of rules as they're about to go into this uh this I think it was wing B or east wing where uh they need to find the deadly diseases but it's overrun by 80 or so zombies. Uh and so they're warned by uh I think Jim, Jim Capaldi, who I recognize from all the great Armando Iannucci comedies, who plays you – know, it really feels like they got some cheap actors for this reshoot of a very cheap-to-shoot sequence. Yeah, it was very, very funny to see Malcolm from the thick of it just <laughs> standing in the WHO in Cardiff. And not cursing at all, just being too depressed to curse. Uh, but he, they just make these rules up in the spots. Uh, oh, the zombies are moving slow. That's because they lack stimulus. Don't make any noise. Don't kill any of them. If you, if you, don't, if you don't attract any attention, then they won't move. And so there's this very, very video gamey sequence where one's, there's a room of zombies you need to get past, and one of them keeps turning his head slowly and then turning back, and they need to time their, <laughs> their run across the glass doorways so that he's, you know yowling and chopping when he's looking away from them and not in front of them. And that was one of the parts of the movie that kind of lost me. Well, that's when people started laughing. Nobody found the zombies comic until that scene at the WHO when they were suddenly slow moving and they were operating by different rules. And suddenly it was. It was all about scary close-ups of chomping teeth. And there were some giggles in the theater where I was watching it. That's what happened in my theater, too. It was very, very tense for a long time. And then that that one zombie actor has a really good chomping effect, I think. Just, uh, I think he's the same one we meet later. I'd kind of like to read an interview with this guy. Is he uh, the guy who got locked in the actual pathogen freezer room with Brad Pitt? Yeah, the, that great, that great little Mexican standoff with the zombie later. I think it's the same. It's the very gaunt-looking Bill Nye zombie, right? Uh, <laughs> who with like a very loud horse chopping sound. Uh, but that one, yeah, my audience, and I should, I should, I should add my audience. Uh, I don't know what, what was the case for your screening, but in mine, the theater was nice enough to have a uh, a group of pre- apocalypse preppers uh, talk to us before the movie about how to survive an apocalypse. Oh, kinda, nice! Oh, I wish kinda, we had that kind of lead in. It was, it was kind of cute, but um, you know, it was an audience of people who really enjoyed that sort of thing, and they thought that would be suspense. The suspenseful, let's just make sure they don't see us run past this glass door really fast scene uh, was kind of silly. Dave, let me stop you for just a minute for a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Slate Spoiler Special is brought to you by Shutterstock.com. At Shutterstock.com, you'll find the perfect video for your next creative project, whether it's a website, an advertisement, multimedia presentation, or any kind of film project. You can choose from over 700,000 high-quality stock video clips, 2D animations, and 3D motion graphics. They source their video clips from around the world and put them at your fingertips. And they add 10,000 new clips every week, so whenever you visit, you'll find something new. You can try Shutterstock today by signing up for a free account. No credit card needed. Just start an account, begin using Shutterstock to help imagine what your next project could be like, and save whatever you find to your clip box. Once you decide to purchase, use the offer code SPOILER6 and new accounts will receive 30% off any package. Again, that's Shutterstock.com, and for 30% off new accounts, use the offer code SPOILER6. The Spoiler Special thanks Shutterstock for their support. All right, so back to World War Z. So, Dave, we haven't talked about any of the characters besides Brad Pitt. We also haven't th- talked about Brad Pitt's performance or what you think of him in this role. Did you think he, he carried the movie? I was a little bit bored by him. Uh, honestly, I, I didn't think he was totally humorless. He reminded me, I guess, of the archetype of Will Smith was in I Am Legend. 
I mean, I think listeners will know now I see basically every Apocalypse movie and have a chart at home so I can <laughs> I can graph the various differences. But, uh, no, Pitt has, like, he has, no, he has no jokes, really. There's a little bit of gallows humor when that scientist dies. Uh, but he basically kind of plods through and survives lots of things and always sees the disaster coming. And um, he has a family that they don't really characterize very very broadly. I think we, we, f- we definitely don't want them to die, and we worry when they're sent to a refugee refugee camp. Yeah, but, I think the family story back on the aircraft carrier with yeah. Marae Enos and the two daughters and the, the boy that they adopt in their in their travels is is really disappointing. And I think that's a casualty of the recut, honestly. I think she must have had a much, much bigger storyline that was cut out because it's really she really is just like on the widow's walk waiting for a phone call. You know, it's pretty dull. Well, and she also almost kills him by accident once because she calls him when he's creeping through uh, a, a zombie lady. That's right, when he's trying to silently bicycle past a bunch of zombies. Which, for some reason, the troops do in the evening, which feels like another budget cut, frankly. Uh, why, why they have... Well, I guess they're also hurrying to stop the end of the world. Uh, but they, they Right, time is of the essence. Evening. ASAP, must save the world. That was one of the only other nods, I thought, to the to the Max Brooks OVRA was that they are trying to speed up the refueling of the ship by sending ahead the people who need to do it on bicycles. And that's one of Max Brooks's pieces of advice. You know, you might think you want your car, but you should really have the bicycle for the zombie apocalypse because it doesn't need to refuel and uh, you, you can you know, glide past them. But Get a little again, bit of a pro-cycling message in there. Very much so. Although, again, he's talking about slow zombies. Uh, but, I mean, the, the the weakness you're talking about in the, in the, in the plot back on the ship, I mean, I've seen even really mediocre to bad apocalypse movies tend to play more with what it's like when society is collapsing. I mean, in 2012 uh, – Oh, do you share was, my love for 2012, by the way? <laughs> I love I said, 2012. That's why I said mediocre to terrible. I mean, you can rate on the scale. I remember, I remember, again, that has a last act that's all kind of Poseidon Adventure suspense, which I was kind of, I was kind of bored by. But before that, you just see every element of society – breaking down as people flee disasters and in this basically society is clearly collapsing but the un has everything under control on this boat and you there's no i I almost pined for and you know most of the movies that do this they do it pretty poorly but i almost pined for the people who used to hold power you know writhing and yelling at each other because everything's breaking down and money's worthless now you the only scene you get of that which maybe maybe they did this effectively and i'm not giving them credit you know um, they're moving non-essential personnel onto these into these refugee camps uh, in rural areas, and you see people who clearly are rich because they have pearls and stuff, yelling that they're being taken onto these onto these onto these uh, you know kind of doomed enclaves. And oh, that was so nice much one. more extreme in 2012. Remember, there were like Russian tycoons carrying Pomeranians, like trying to get onto the Ark. Come on, that was good stuff. I do, yeah, I, I like that stuff. Maybe the movie did it nice and subtly, but again. I actually one more book thing I'll spoil. There is a very fun scene in World War Z that also kind of presages this is the end, where somebody who is a security guard for for a for a bunch of celebrities um, recounts the celebrity compound overrun by zombies and how the celebrities were having just like this champagne party trying to wait everything out. And I, I, that that kind of stuff is fun. If you're going to end civilization, you should have some you should have some fun reverse engineering what civilization is and how it got there and what would what would stop working i mean i think a lot of stuff remember uh, the postman i'm really just going for the record how many apocalypse movies i can mention here in the postman you know tom petty the the musician is just like a guy i think he's a mechanic or something because after the apocalypse celebrities won't be very useful 
I just think there's so there are so many amusing things you can do if something destroys all of society, and this movie doesn't really do any any of it. It's just the UN's in control. People are really scared for a week, and then they fight back. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, obviously, this is in fact this is the end as a superior apocalypse movie to this. I would oh, I would completely agree. But having not read the book, I am going to stand up for this movie just as a fun two hour zombie summer actioner. I mean, it's a movie that you could take a ten or eleven year old kid to and have a really good time. It has a lot of really dumb moments. We didn't even talk about the moment when Brad Pitt essentially crashes and aircraft by throwing a grenade into the back of it to kill some zombies. One of the moments when, you know, you would really want to maybe consult the pilots before you make that choice. Yeah, honestly, if they probably hadn't it hit in the cockpit, they might have been okay. Well, this makes the mistake a lot of movies are making this summer where the power of the villain just changes whenever the screenwriter needs it to. I mean, in Iron Man 3, for example, you know, the armor is really invincible until like it needs to not be invincible and somebody can just run right through it or break it apart. And, uh, Again and again, something's really. I have heard of this about Superman. Like Khan and Star Trek is very invincible until Spock can just beat the heck out of him really easily. Yeah, somebody just posted about this, and I can't remember where about the problem with villain design, right? Where you have to make a villain who's invincible for the first, I don't know, eighty-five percent of the movie, and then suddenly start putting chinks in the armor, and often that's just completely unexplained, and there's just a fist fight on a skyscraper somewhere, and the villain's dead. And I think that the movie reveals how fun it is if something's not, or not just if something's not invincible, but if you have people who can overcome the threat versus people who are just being overwhelmed because uh, the only survivors of Jerusalem seem to be Pitt and this very this very likable character who's a Israeli a female Israeli soldier uh, who becomes his kind of his kind of sidekick? But yeah, I was going to say I like that story and I like that that actress and just the idea of of pairing him up with this you know Israeli one handed because it, uh, another thing to spoils in the course of the action she gets bitten by a zombie and he quick quick thinking quickly chops off the hand with the bite and she survives. How did you know that would work? I didn't. You know the the classic Brad Pitt manages to. I think outsmart every scientist on the planet maybe seven times in the movie because he used to be in the UN and he talked to one scientist on a plane. One time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, um, but yeah, I think I w- would we recommend this movie. I kind of want to hear your your take first so I can I can keep ruminating. I guess I mean when I came out of it, I thought yeah I would recommend it. I mean it wasn't like I was pumping my fist coming out of it, but I think it was I was pleasantly surprised that it for example, was not, as I said at the beginning, overly long and bloated, and that it didn't try to take on too much of a ponderous, you know, it didn't really have that that ponderous, I don't know, I want to say Chris Nolan, you know, like the heavy duty, let's make everything an allegory for, for society. And I, I know that the book did that well, but I'd rather see the movie not take it on at all than do it badly. Yeah, if this was just Brad Pitt versus zombies and had no connection to this this kind of deep book, uh, I think it's, a, it's an okay action movie. I don't think I'd recommend it to people who are horror fans already, but if they, I there are bad action movies. This isn't really one of them. It's just a kind of silly zombie story, duct taped to a very you know well shot, fast paced. You know there there were probably twenty full minutes when I was really nervous. Uh, that kind of a movie, and you know, there's Wh- which twenty minutes? I'm um, adding them all up. I think uh, the you know, but. Mostly linked to the society collapsing. When he, anytime he can't find his family, somebody points a gun at him. Something's going to go wrong. The planes. Uh, there are moments when society is collapsing that I find very terrifying. And I, you always know Brad Pitt's going to survive, but 
Um, you know, maybe a different movie would have killed one of his children, which does not happen here. To yeah, yeah, it doesn't have the contagion, Gwyneth Paltrow biting it in the first 20 minutes kind of scene. I mean, I would tell people, yeah. see it for the Jerusalem scene. That's what's going to stick with me, are those images of the, you know, like I said, like the sculptural masses of zombies kind of clambering over each other to get over the wall. But I have yeah, one last question. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, just, you're right. It has a couple of scenes that are really suspenseful and good, so I wouldn't tell people to run to it, but uh, it's it, it's it's an okay movie. It just, they could have... You tell them to shuffle to it. Shuffle to it, zombie style. They, they could have shuffled and it would have been much better. It would have been seven hours long, but, you know. So, my realistic. other question, my final question to you is, why zombies and why the apocalypse? Why do you have a chart at home graphing <laughs> all the zombie movies you've seen? I mean, that that's a joke, uh, but close to it, I, it's... It's just interesting to think of, uh, think about how how society works, and you can't really do it until you imagine the absence of society. And zombies are a pretty efficient way of doing that because they wipe out civilization but leave everything standing. So there is no new culture being produced. There's there's agriculture maybe, but there's no more technology being produced or innovated. Um, the any kind of most of humankind story wiped out, like Earth Abides, the great novel, that deal really deeply with that, you realize just the, you could you could probably realize the interconnected things if you had a really good meditation session. Maybe I should try that instead. <laughs> but I feel it's more interesting to see all of the entire world react to something uh, than it is to see one family just just survive. And that, that can be done very well, but I always leave something with a more going on in my brain if and I, I'm fond of the movies where something clearly is happening to people and they see it's happened to the rest of the world. Uh, some of the George Romero movies did that. The reason why the original Dawn of the Dead, I think, um, is still pretty unbeatable is because it's a very thrilling zombie movie and we see, we hang out a very long time with these people as society collapses and they get used to kind of feasting off the remains of it. Uh, you can't – this is, isn't that, that, that kind of movie. It's a different kind of apocalypse. It's more of a – Honestly, it's almost like a sunspot is traveling across the world and blowing things up because things are are dying so quickly. Uh, and it's fine, but I I like what you can do with characters and themes if society is on a very slow burn to extinction. Right. Yeah. I think you just have higher standards than me for this that kind of a movie. <laughs> yeah, this is <laughs> the thinking, thinking man's apocalypse. But it, you need to see the Seth Rogen movie if you want that kind of apocalypse. Yeah. And now I'm wishing that we had spoiled that movie together. I really <laughs> like This is the End. It totally surprised me with its... It, I, I, it also had some third act problems, but it was way more fun than this. So yeah, if you want to watch The World End this weekend, I would send people to This is the End before World War Z. All right, well, Dave, this was my favorite spoiler in a while. It was really, really fun. So please tell me the next time you want to come in and talk about a movie. I think we probably got 10 more Apocalypse movies this year. So That's right. We we have a couple more this (laughs) summer. So I hope you'll come back. Well, thank you. It was was a real pleasure. Thanks Thanks for doing it with me. Our producer is Chris Wade. The executive producer of Slate Podcast is Andy Bowers. For Slate.com, I'm Dana Stevens. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.